Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. My name is Jake Bessling here with Tim Allman. We are friends and brothers in Christ and co-leaders at Christ Greenfield in Gilbert, Arizona, and also leading this podcast. We're so thankful that you're tuning in. Maybe you've been a, um, a listening Listener. from the beginning, mm-hmm. episode one. Right. Welcome back. Maybe it's your first time listening. Go back through and um, enhance your learning about That's maybe right. holistic health with KJ Strews. Um, maybe it's learning how to uh, father uh, boys. Look at Trey Cox there and all these other wealth of uh, explanation in our episodes. And we believe, and when you really get down to it, why are we doing this podcast? That eternities are changed when a leader chooses to grow. Today's theme is the gift of being you. Tim, there is a gift of being you. Mm. Now, as I say that, um, what comes to your mind? Do you think that's a good statement? The gift of being you. The gift of being. So I have (laughs) a gift for you. And it's me. It's me. I, it, like, I'm a neatly bundled up, neatly folded package, and I am waiting to be opened by you. That's and you. when you open me up, you're going to find... <laughs> There's a song there. It's a gift. It's a beautiful gift. No, no, no. I don't think that's the way we want to use that term today. <laughs> the gift of being you. Uh, make, it, make it straight. Make it right, Jake. We just read a book by uh, David Benner, The Gift of Being Yourself. And so I don't know about you, but... I've struggled over the years about like, man, how has God wired me and my different role, my gifts, my gaps, uh, my experiences, where I've lived? Do I like that? Do I want to mature in that? You can't really necessarily change um, how God has wired some of those things. You can change a lot, though. You can embrace it. Um, Do I want to run from that? So struggled over the years with that. And I just picked this up. And so a lot of the content, we want to recognize uh, David for putting that together. But um, the gift of being you is not this permission to be arrogant or prideful or conceited. It's the gift to be how God has made you, gifted you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139, that he thought of you and he gave you certain attributes, experiences um, in order to be you. There's no other other you. Yeah, and this concept that our... Um, Extranos theology, this is nailed into me as, as a seminarian, right? That it's all about God's extranos work inside of you. God doesn't just like start, you, you're not the originator of grace. And we all know this, but here's the reality. When the extranos, the outside God, enters into you, he changes your heart. He changes your mind. He actually wants to mobilize you, yes, you, with all of your faults and failings and shortcomings. He wants to mobilize you, sinner, and transform you into a saint. So it's a journey of sanctification. And that you cannot go on that journey, follower of Jesus, baptized into his name, apart from starting with self-awareness. Yeah, and the book points out, like, where do you begin with self-awareness? And so here's a question. What would you identify as the most important thing for your existence and well-being, okay? What would you identify as the most important thing for your existence and well-being? How do you think most Christians you know would answer the question? Many Christians I know would answer the question with this, finding God, finding God, okay? Many would say serving God, serving his church. Most Christians would probably say something about God, but 
they never reference the self, okay? So how would you identify as the most important thing for your existence and well-being? You know, if you're Christian, like, wow, it's all about loving God, loving others, but they might not include the, the fact of loving self and what the self has to do with this. I mean, if you look through the annals of history of the church and different theologians, let's rattle these off, different people have connected knowing God and then knowing self, knowing self and knowing God. The first one, Thomas Akempis. Thomas Akempis argued mm-hmm. that a humble self-knowledge is a surer way to God than a search after deep learning. That's crazy. St. Augustine's prayer was this, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. John Calvin wrote, nearly the whole of sacred doctrine consists in these two parts, knowledge of God and of ourselves. So here's the big idea, that Christian spirituality involves a transformation of the self that occurs only when God and self are both deeply Known. So consider this, it's an all too true um, story of a pastor. And this pastor, it could be fill in the blank, another leader, another CEO, um, another employee, anyone in the workplace and anyone in life. But let's take a pastor, for example, um, a pastor, not thinking um, too hard here. This story is an example of what has happened to many pastors over the year. The pastor has built a very successful public Ministry. Uh, people follow him on Twitter. They hang at his every word during his sermons. And it seems like he believes what he's, he's saying. Uh, he publicly proclaims the truth from Scripture, and you believe that he's living that out. No obvious reasons to question him knowing his true self. But he seems to be, to, he seems to self disclose in his sermon in a healthy way. He vulnerably shares story about his life. But as for many of us, all of that was more appearance than actually reality in his heart. The self the pastor showed to the world was a public self that he created with great care and crafted and fashioned with great care. It's what we're going to call on this podcast a false self of his own creation. So what we're basically talking about is a gap between what we want other people to see um, and the, the true self. And you can use any number of kind of metaphors, but you're, you're wearing a mask. There's something as you're, you're talking that is just off. And you, don't, you can't really name it. Have you ever experienced that with a communicator? In, in the preacher world, the preacher gets on the preacher voice or the glassy eyes. Like There's something in their heart that's not fully connected to what they're saying. There's, there's a chasm or a gap or a, or a mask. And we come to Jesus and we get to offer our whole self, right, Jake? Mm-hmm. And we get to, it starts with confession here. Like there is a gap with the Apostle Paul of what I want to do and what I end up doing, what I want to feel like internal and, and what actually is, is coming out. And we all start at that place with that, with that gap. And Jesus says, I'm not ashamed. There's no shame here. You can take off that mask and let me have uh, lordship over every part of your life. The hidden, quiet parts, uh, the times when you're alone, and the times when you're, you're on, uh, on a camera, like yeah. you're on a microphone right now. Just a little story. When we entered into, we do a lot of podcasts on uh, the same day, just to economize the time, right? And we, I, I was um, a little mad over something that had happened in the morning. Um, 
and I came in <laughs> as a dude. I was late, I was five minutes late, so that made me even more mad, you know? And I'm like, um, yeah, I, I need to pray. I need to pray. I don't always get to that point, but the Spirit was, I was listening to the Spirit and then listening to the Spirit yeah. speak to my heart. I, I got Versus I gotta how pray. you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm great. Let's I'm put great. on the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. I'm not I really great. That I'm kind of mad right now. Vulnerability. Yeah, so what happens to a pastor that we just described? That fake self, that false reality, false self, eventually catches up to you. And you know the story. The lust leads to infidelity, uh, infidelity mm-hmm. and infidelity then is a public display uh, that fractures the church. Mm-hmm. And so today, the design of this podcast is that you would reflect on yourself, but by reflecting on God, your rhythms with God, and how the rhythm with God affects the self. Let's take Peter, for example, yep. here, because it's not just one thing to know the objective reality of believing in God. It's to personally experience that and reflect on it. I love my wife, but it's not like, you know, I believe my wife loves me. No, I know deeply. she loves me deeply because yeah. I've experienced her love her touch, her kind words, the sacrifice that she does. And so look at Peter's life. He is a fisherman and he's hanging out. He's doing his job. Um, Some would argue that he's failed the rabbi school, you know, and he's doing what his dad did before him. And Jesus apparently has enough clout in the community. He's well-known enough that these guys, Peter, would drop their nets at just Jesus asking and he would go and follow him. And so we could say, we could conjecture conjecture that he probably thought he, he could be maybe a, a cool rabbi. He could maybe be the Messiah. Um, but think about what he would have learned along the next couple of years of journeying with him. Um, I'm speculating, but perhaps he would tell us that, hey, when you met Jesus, what were you? Well, I was a fisherman. Um, I could be hot-tempered at times in my life. Um, I can be a little impulsive at times, and I really long for the Messiah to come and restore us from those Romans, okay? And so there was some self-evaluation awaiting deeper knowledge of God. Yeah. And out of that deeper self-awareness as, as Peter daily died to those former ways and then was raised up in Jesus, there was this um, yearning, to be shaped by the master, by the rabbi, by his friend, by his teacher, right? He, he yearned to be shaped. It, it drew, that deeper self-awareness for Peter drew him closer, not further away right. from Jesus. And so you as a leader, Jesus is a perfectly, holistically, there was no dichotomy, there was no mask with Jesus, the most fully human being you can possibly imagine. He had the God thing going for him, so um, that's useful. But he seems to draw out of the apostles and then the 125 from Pentecost, this deep, robust belief, not just corporately, but individually, you can change the world. Greater things you're going to do when the Holy Spirit comes. He casts vision for their individual and corporate experience as a church that led to the greatest movement of, of all time. But it came through challenge and and discipline. And again, the discipline, the conflict, get behind me, uh, talking to Peter, get behind me, Satan, calls his friend Satan. Wow. Like like Satan is in you right now. And yet the humility of Peter then to receive it, empowered by the Spirit, be transformed. Two selves 
mm. merging into one whole self, uh, centered in what Jesus had done. So what have you learned about yourself as a result of ex the experience you've had with God? We want to tie those more closely together because a lot of times we read our Bible yeah. and we're experiencing God and then we have the rest of the day on ourself and there are two dichotomies. Peter was invited to go and walk on water. What did he learn about himself? Well, I'm, when I'm experiencing Jesus, Jesus is inv inviting me out and I'm actually going to move and get out outside the boat and my other peers aren't. So maybe I have a little bit of a courageous spirit within me. But then the waters get a little more high and the waves are a little um, more rapid and there's thunder around. I take my eyes off of Jesus and I have these fears that I could sink and I have a lack of faith. Now, think about Peter. He never would have known some of those things unless he interacted with God Almighty That's right. and that Jesus invited us to do that. And so to learn about yourself is coming through learning more about God. So the invitation is to meet Jesus daily in the Gospels, mm -hmm. to picture him as he's walking along um, the road, as he's interacting with people. It's not a devotional time to check the box, but really experience Jesus. So here's a few highlights to work through in order to fully live into being you. So number one, the possibility of knowing yourself is grounded in the fact that you're already known by God. There's not some part of you that needs to be hidden from him. The good, the bad, the ugly, he sees, and by his blood, he has redeemed and made his own. So it starts with the fact that you, you are known and you're loved by God. Yeah, next one. God's love for you has nothing to do with your behavior. Mm. We seem to grow up in the West, at least, in America, by wanting to introduce ourselves. Hey, who are you? And then we quickly go to what we do right. instead of who we are. So who are you, baptized child of God? Um, I'm loved by God. Can you imagine standing up in your next leadership meeting, you know, and, and talking to different people and they're like, hey, tell me about yourself. Who are you? And you don't go to your resume of accomplishments, but you say, you know, there's a God of the universe and he loves me in the person of Jesus. And then you go about and say, this is what he's done in my life. And you list off the gifts that you have. Try that. Yeah. Number three, until we accept the parts of us that are sinful, the parts of us that are hidden, we won't grow into the, the whole self. And it's helpful to name those selves, sinful selves. So, hi, I'm Tim. I have a prideful <laughs> side to me. Hi, I'm Tim. I often want things my way. Hi, I'm Tim. I can be hot-tempered and drawn to maybe anger uh, more than I want. Those are, those are the things that I need to name internally and obviously with friends and father confessors and other people so that my whole self gets brought back together. Hi, I'm Jake, and I can oftentimes get jealous. Um, yeah, the next one is that the Bible doesn't speak about us as sinner. Now, hear me out. It talks about us and our nature in Christ being a deeply loved sinner. Uh, there's a switch that happens as the waters of baptism clean you up and the word of God changes you and you're relying on Jesus and the spirit lives inside of you that you're not identified as, hey, you're a sinner, but more so you're a deeply loved child of God that does sin. You don't see Paul walking around like, man, I am just a poor, miserable sinner all the time. You know, yeah, he knew his sin. He knew his pitfalls. The good he wanted to do, he just couldn't do. But more so, he says, I am chosen by God. Right. I am elected by 
the Father in heaven before all time and eternity. Um, I have a God of the universe that stepped down into time and space to die on a cross for me. I'm a child of God. I'm justified. I'm being sanctified. And until you're able to start with the self, mm. Peter, Peter isn't able to say, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You belong to God to declare the praises of the one who's called us out of darkness into a marvelous light. That's what Peter says to the church. And it started, it started with himself. So let's go to number five here. We have a false self. And this false self is where security and significance is achieved by what we have, Mm. what we can do. This is the prideful self that needs to die so that the true self in Christ and your identity in Christ may be raised up. And I love that. It's not dependent upon any of that stuff. Yeah. And another one about the false self. Our false self is where happiness is Mm. sought in autonomy, independence from God and in attachments. But our true self, that's where we want to live, our true self in Christ is where fulfillment is found in surrendering to God every day and living out our vocation. Vocation meaning calling, what God has called you to do to uh, be the mask of God to the world. And this one really hits me. Our false self is where our identity is found through our idealized self. (laughs) Idealized self. I want to be this. I'm really not that. Yeah. Sometimes I'm kind of prone and I'm being, I'm kind of prone to hyperbole and exaggeration, Mm. you know, with certain numbers or stuff. I'm just kind of flippant with Mm. that. And a part of that in me is I want an idealized self. I'm not who um, maybe I really am. You know what I'm saying? And and that's an identity thing, man. Yeah, and we should normalize like, yeah, this this is me. (laughs) This is is how I'm wired. It's a Um, couple, like, I mean, a simple kind of pithy way. Yeah, how, how much is it? It's a couple bucks. Tim, it's, it's $5,000 to do that. That's not a couple bucks, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's a couple, yeah. Yeah, you know, our false self. All right. Um, yeah, our true self has a, an identity in who we are from God and are becoming in Christ. Yeah, the false self is achieved by means of pretense and practice. I mean, mm. it takes practice to be fake. Yes, it does. It takes a lot of work <laughs> to put on the facade. You listener know, smiling and nodding and, and living a lie. No, the true self is received as a gift. I love that. You like gifts, right? A gift mm. with gratitude and surrender. So it should be a gift that God's saying, stop faking it and just be you. Number nine, our false self is maintained by effort and control. Our true self is maintained by the freedom that, that comes in knowing who you are and the freedom in, in following Jesus. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. You don't have to put on all of these uh, pretenses about effort and, and controlling your life as God of your own universe. No, you're loved by the God who's doing it all, has done it all, will do it all. And he just chooses out of his mercy and grace to use us. Yeah, so this is a simple and short podcast. And we want to leave you with three ways that you could become more of yourself, aware of who you are, the gift of being you. No, the gift of being yourself. The first one is this. Spend time with Jesus every day um, in the word and telling him everything about yourself. Well, you're like, well, he already knows it, but he knows it, but you don't know it. And instead of just telling yourself, tell Jesus and yourself at the same time. For me recently, and I go on waves of this, I don't yeah. know about you, but I get into journaling and then I lose it. Okay. And um, yeah, for a couple of weeks now, it's like just journaling who I am and how I feel. And it just kind of 
um, gets it out on the paper of things that I'm actually not thinking, but as I start to have to write it, it kind of just comes out of me in a different light. And so it's helpful to just say, okay, Jesus, I'm acknowledging this is my sinful self, my false self, and my true self. And I want to live in this true self more and more, Lord, so help me. I want to I speak to the men that are listening right now. Yeah. This is not a, a feminine or masculine thing. I think we think journaling and these yeah, kind sure. of soft practices, and that's not masculine. No, 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 no. This is a human being thing for you to become right. I think, I think men... Women are, are I'm going to make some sweeping statements here about gender distinctives, but women, I think, have, a, have a, overall a better sense of feeling out the relationships, both with God and then maybe one to another and even internally. And I think a lot of men live with, uh, you know, you got to fake it till you make it kind of perspective. Yeah. And so journaling is a really helpful practice for every human being. Uh, spend time. Here's another kind of takeaway. Spend time locating yourself in the stories of Jesus. Well Picture said. yourself as, you wrote it. Picture yourself as the Samaritan woman and Jesus is coming to you as you're filling your jars and he knows everything about you and some of it, it could lead to shame and yet he draws you near and then he sends you out as an evangelist with all of the ups and downs of your journey. Find yourself in the gospel story. Yeah, and the third and final one is know your mission in life. Uh, write out a mission statement for your life. Start it with these words, called to, yeah. you know. I am called to raise up as many pastoral leaders to start new things, to reach new people. Kind of have that as a focus. And too many times we just can't articulate, like, why on earth am I here? You're created with that mission. This mission has just become all the more... Um, center for me. Yeah. It's alliterative, um, which isn't surprising to you, but it helps in, in memorizing and internalizing, right? Is I am called, and I love that. I love starting it with that. I am called every single day to love as I've been loved. And out of that love, I am called to learn. There's a lot of beautiful things around me every single day. It's an adventure with Jesus. And then I'm called to, out of being loved, out of a posture of learning, I am called to lead. That's awesome. In my home, in my church, uh, courageously. Yeah, so be you all that God has gifted you to be. Confess your sins and leave that false self every day at the cross and the empty tomb and walk out with Jesus to be your true self that's grounded as a child of God, loved by the heavenly father, that's a citizen in heaven. And yeah, you're here on earth and Jesus will come back to make all this new soon. So be yourself in Christ. Thanks for listening. God bless you as you continue to work this soul work in you um, to be you. Peace. There's a gift and it is you. It's you. It's, it's you. It's Jesus and then it's in you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for hanging out. Peace. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org slash lead time. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Friday for another episode.